everyone gets to go back into the backstage area where you're going to find some little tables there. All the speakers are there and you can actually have private conversations. Um, our team will tell you that in the chat there and how that works. But let's get started. I have two amazing core partners here in our, in our um, course summit MedTech A plus team discussion uh, this afternoon or morning, depending where you're calling from, uh, viewing from. Um, first of all, Scott Pantel, it's good to have you here, my friend. Thank you, Oscar. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for all that uh, Core Connects does, and it's it's an honor to be a part of your summit today. Thank you. And Stephen, there you are. Yeah, awesome to be here, Oscar. Thank you for inviting us. Uh, this is a awesome way to let the world know about quarterbacking and regulation A+. See, you took my line now. Now I know it's okay. So there it is. So we're, <laughs> we're going to get started with the discussion. You know, they're, they're, the reason we added this, and we haven't done this before, and it's important because, as you heard my opening, one of the things that I mentioned, there's been one constant that we've seen, and I've, you know, I've documented quite a bit, is that we're constantly changing, and the change is evolving and that one of the evolutions that we're at is you just mentioned this Stephen, which is great quarterback we're going to talk about that what does that mean um and uh you know i think i want to get that discussion started from uh, scott from your perspective is uh, first because you being the ceo of a research company you know seeing it from the outside and seeing these companies and the value of a quarterback from your point of view tell me about where you see that that, that that role coming into play. Sure. Thanks, Oscar. And again, it's a pleasure to be here. I think this is a this is a really important topic. It not only important, it's really exciting time, I believe, uh, it, for, for MedTech. So um, I've been accused of being the conspicuous, uh, out, inconspicuous outsider, and I embrace that. And I think I have a unique perspective. So before I answer your question, I'll just frame up kind of my background very briefly. So hopefully it, it helps to uh, add to the to the subject matter here. So I run a company called Life Science Intelligence. We're, a, we're really a market research company. We've been around for nearly 20 years and we help venture funded startups, early stage companies in the med tech space, all the way up to the biggest medical device companies in the world, innovate and grow. And so we're on both sides. We're on the innovation side. We're also on the buyer side. And we also uh, work very closely with the traditional investors who have invested in this space over the years. And one of the things that I've observed is that a lot of really good companies struggle to raise the capital they need. And I've also observed companies that do raise the capital, capital go through challenges of really largely giving up a lot of their company along the way. And so a couple of years ago, I was introduced to what's happening, did my research on the Jobs Act, was fortunate enough to meet uh, folks like you and Steven and this whole ecosystem. And I'm incredibly excited today to see that we have new tools, we have new resources for these innovators to get access to the capital they need, so that specifically in the med tech space, they can do good for the world and they can advance healthcare. In terms to your question about quarterbacking, uh, what I think that we've learned over the last year and a half is that it is a, it is a complicated process. As you mentioned in, in your intro, there's a lot of change that's happening. And so we believe that it's um, not only important, but it's critical that issuers uh, work with folks who have a full team that covers the full spectrum uh, of aspects of this type of path. Uh, and what Stephen and I do, what, what Stephen and I do is we really, we, as you have suggested, quarterback it. So we're with the issue from start, issuer from start to finish, and we help to keep things organized and on track and, and just stay aware of what's happening. So at the end of the day, 
we can get them to the finish line and at success. So that's that's sort of my my response to that. I'm sure Stephen has has a commentary he'd he'd like to add. Yeah, it would be actually be great to hear uh, Stephen's point because you're bringing it from the research point of view and seeing the value of the quarterback helping a company, right? And now Stephen is a quarterback in all this through from from his perspective. So Stephen, how does that all come together with? As as uh, as uh, Scott indicated, you're bringing all this together, but not you're you're not just managing the process. You're doing something totally different at the beginning as well, because medtech companies are special. Please. Yes, uh, thank you, Oscar. Um, Stephen Brock with Medical Funding Professionals, CEO. We have been educating the medtech space and life science space for the last two years. Scott and I, it's been awesome in being able to meet all the CEOs and CFOs that we have met. And we start off in showing them how a presentation should be done under our capital pay and valuation strategy. That strategy is to show them how they should look at their valuation differently, how they should look at having less dilution to their company, how they should have their stock going into the marketplace, the 30, 40, $50 million, maximum $75 million raise that they can do. And so we work diligently off their due diligence materials to get them set up for what is another pathway to raising that kind of capital and have it all buttoned up to have a decision-making process with the documents that we produce for them in this hour and a half presentation that we call Capital Plane Valuation Strategy. And we show the board, we show the CFOs, the CEOs of those companies, how will this work for you? And then Scott and I, once we're engaged, will run that raise, so to speak, as we call it, let us run the raise while you run your company, and we will show them how to get to those endpoints, which is over a period of 12 months, um, that they're allowed to raise that capital. We show them how to get it all accomplished, and a lot of med tech firms and life science companies are only starting to learn about this because of all of our due diligence in getting this message to the marketplace. And if it wasn't for Oscar showing us this incredible team that we have developed here today, uh, we would be still marketing in an older fashioned way. And this is so much better having our team here and being able to quarterback as a group and be able to connect with each other all the time so that we can hit endpoints, timeframes, timelines that you as a CEO and CFO want to see us hit. That's what we do under the capital plan evaluation strategy. Thank you, Stephen. And, you know, and I do apologize to thank you for that question from Waleed. I will answer it for you because it, it does. I mean, part of being the quarterback is to provide an explanation what the regulation is. So here is regulation A+. I'm going to give it a high level strokes because uh, we do have another panel that's going to go more into the preparations, discuss it there. You'll have the legal team and so on. But here in a nutshell, you can raise up to $75 million USD every 12 months. You must be either a U.S. domicile company or a Canadian domicile company. For a U.S.-based company, you will need audited financial statements under GAAP. You will need to work with a FINRA broker-dealer registered in all 50 states with an escrow agent and an SEC registered transfer agent. And obviously, they'll, you'll be hearing about all that. For a Canadian-based company, um, $75 million every 12 months. Uh, you'll need financial statements under IFRS. You'll still need the broker-dealer, uh, the FINRA broker-dealer, the SEC registered answer agent, and the escrow agent. So those are the high level. Who can you sell to? You can sell to anybody over the age of 18 years old who qualifies and passes the ID and AML and suitability. What does that mean? 
The suitability is how much can an investor invest? A non-accredited investor can invest 10% of their income or their net worth, whichever is greater. For a non-accredited, sorry, for an accredited investor, they can invest unlimited. For venture capital, unlimited. For private equity, unlimited. And institutional, unlimited. The nice thing about Regulation A regulation is that it's a free trading security the minute the investor receives it. So the minute they receive it, they can do a transfer or they can sell it in a registered secondary ATS, provided the company has subscribed to that, has met all the secondary market requirements, blue sky, securities manual, and ATS listing. That's high level. Thank you again uh, for asking uh, that question, Walid. And obviously, the other questions will be coming uh, later. But one of the things that as they're asking those questions, Stephen and Scott, that they're, you know, everybody, okay, I want to raise money. How much does it cost? And then they get to the cost. And Stephen, you, you in particular have brought this up before. And Scott, I'll, I'll start with you. The cost is, is a part of it. But the, the, the other real issue in any, when you're quarterbacking this, you're, you're setting expectations correctly for a company in a capital race in showing them that the cost is one element. But the bigger element is, are they even ready for a Regulation A or Regulation C? Scott? Sure. Thank you, Oscar. And we'll, we'll be talking about this a little bit later in the program. I have the, the uh, good fortune to be spending some time with uh, the what we refer to as the investor acquisition folks who are the people that are out there, uh, you know, uh, sharing the story uh, and recruiting audiences and really getting interest. And so um, I think your question um, is a really important one. And it is, is the company even ready? Is the company in a place where they have a chance to go after this type of a capital raise? And there are many questions that we go through in the due diligence process to to really identify if the company is ready. But obviously, um, at, at the highest level, um, they need to have an innovative technology that the retail market and, and the institutional market is going to be able to really rally around. Uh, they need to have a, a strong team in place. They need to have basic financials. And these are all the steps that we go through when we really help companies figure out uh, if it's a right path for them or not. Stephen and I and team uh, take a lot of pride in spending time educating the market and getting companies prepared. Many come in, they go through the process and they're absolutely ready to go. Uh, and some come in and they may be a little bit early, but those are some of the diagnosis that we do uh, to help companies. So um, you have to be far, far, far along and that, that you're ready for this, uh, but there's also things that we can do to help get you there. And I'm sure Stephen uh, ha has some that he may like to add to that. Yes, uh, we like to start off with uh, having a discovery call with the company. Then we'd like to get into NDA so that we can share due diligence materials. The due diligence materials are important in developing those costs. We don't know what those costs are until due diligence is done. We can see what the company can do and is there a market for that? So we do all this analysis off of PitchBook, uh, which we pay up to $50,000 a year subscription for, so that we can get real-time data on what's going on in your sectors. That helps us build out the cap tables, the pro forma valuations, everything that we will do for that potential client, including capital cash flow projections. What's it going to take to get from A to Z? We lay it all out in very fine detail with our whole team on the presentation for you. So that really is uh, what is studious to getting to the end zone and having the proper cost analyzed because we really don't know until we have due diligence done for your specific company.
and, and that's a really great point. I know we don't want to use the word due diligence too much because obviously we're not the broker dealers. Sorry, the quarterback is not the broker dealer and, and the, the broker dealer is going to talk a little bit about that. But in essence, it is a type of due diligence in preparation. And that's what the quarterback is doing here. And, and you are right. I mean, you're, I often hear this from the investor acquisition companies who get a company that, you know, ran, went to the lawyer, got the, oh yeah, got the filing done. Okay. And I got the audit. Okay. They think they're done and they got the broker dealer. Okay, great. And then they, they discovered that now they need to bring the audience in and the investor acquisition company is left with, you know, I wish this company would have known what to budget for, what they needed, or, did they even look at their documents to see that, you know, there could be some issues for them? So I really, for me, the value of the quarterback is taking all those examples of failures in reggae. Yes, everyone, there are failures in reggae. <laughs> There's a blog that I have coming out that you're going to read about it. Failures of reggae is attributed to some very basic things and they're there. Um, and one of the big ones is, you know, not having a, uh, SEC registered transfer agent, not properly budgeting and properly structuring your offering uh, to going to the market. And that's, I think that's the biggest value. Of course, the component, uh, Stephen and Scott, that you are also adding is the, the ability to coordinate all the participants that are needed. So it's coordinated and everybody working together. Um, but I think that that's a major piece. What do you think about that, Scott? I mean, I, I really feel that's a big piece. I, I um, totally agree. And one of the things that we're, we're going to talk about later, we could just touch on it now, uh, is, you know, what are, what are the ingredients to a successful raise? We're going to talk about that. And then also, what are some of the roadblocks or some of the challenges that we've seen with raises that weren't successful, uh, only in the spirit of how we can avoid them? Um, and so we're going to get, get deep into this a bit later. But one of the things that comes up often uh, that we hear all the time is, you know, I'm a pre-revenue company. Am I too early? Uh, and the answer is um, not necessarily. In fact, we have some pre-revenue, very innovative medical device companies that are off to the races uh, in their own capital raise. We have other companies that are, you know, just just early stages of generating revenue, and then we have others that are very much at you know scale up and commercial stage, and they're really looking for an infusion of capital to continue growing. So um, you can be at all different stages. You just have to have the key ingredients in place. And that's one of the things that we're going to get really deep into later. So if, if folks are asking the question, am I too early? What does it take? Uh, this is not to defer you to later, but that is that is one of the one of the very important topics that we'll be talking about a bit later. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's an interesting point. I mean, uh, here we're, we're getting things started. And when they get started in the screen process that uh, Stephen and your team are going through, it's to it's not to say no to them because obviously that's not what the Jobs Act was intended. It's to but it's to give them the 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 proper roadmap. So if they are going to execute on this, they do it properly and they do it with a, a, a you know a, a mindset that how to become successful at it. Because like I said, I the, the failures are remarkably they're there and people think oh, well it's you know, because nobody's interested in my deal. It's not. Um, there's a slide. There's a, a point. I think you call it the three points, uh, um, uh, Scott and Stephen, uh, that a client needs to commit to. I, 
I don't have them memorized by hand, but do you remember them, Scott? I mean, it's they're important. They follow into this in the quarterback. It starts here because that leads them into the entire process, does it not? Yes, it does. And if I had if I had my comrade Doug here, he could go into the deep dive <laughs> on it. But at the highest level, and we do, I, I make I make light of something that's important. Uh, but there are commitments uh, that need to be you know checked off on the issuer side, and uh, you know. At the highest level, one is you know committing to the process. This is a new process. It's a sophisticated vehicle. You need to be aligned with the right team. You need to be prepared. The second commitment is really believing in what it is that you're doing, that you have a breakthrough technology, that you're solving a real problem, and that the retail market will be able to understand that problem, will be able to rally around it. And then the third piece, and and you know frankly, a, a lot of people are doing the third piece now, which is making sure you understand how it works that you're committed, you have a budget set aside to go after this thing aggressively, and then ultimately that you align yourself with a team that you're comfortable with, with a team that shares the same vision as you do, and with a team that has uh, the expertise. Let's be honest. There, there are resources out there that can do this successfully. You need to find the team that you're comfortable with that has experience and that really understands your technology. And I, will, I just want to add one more thing to this because this is important to me. I'm a med tech guy. I've been around this industry for 20 years. This is a, a call focused on how to help med tech companies. And it's really important and I think interesting to point out that there are other industries that have embraced this path, that have embraced Regulation A+, that are raising massive amounts of capital. And the med tech slash healthcare industry, I think is really, they are catching on, but we're, we're often late adopters. But here we are, we see it working in other industries, and now we see it happening in med tech. So I'm excited, and it feels like we're at the beginning of stages for something that, that is very special. And again, that's something I'm going to ask the other experts uh, in a subsequent panel to address from their perspective. Yeah. I Well, we were at the beginning uh, six, seven, or eight months ago when we got started. But I'll let uh, Stephen, obviously now there are seven companies now that have come online with the uh, with this process, they've gone through it. They're now live successfully. Um, and Stephen, I mean, walk us through what you learned through that. I mean, from a quarterback point of view, you know, it, there were a lot of things that you learned and can help co other companies as they're moving forward. I mean, it, the quarterback role here, you dug in deep, both in the cap table, the financials, getting everything. What's your big takeaway from a quarterback point of view and putting all that together? Uh, being able to hit your timelines and timeframes with your team. And everybody doing their job, which they have done superbly well in making those timelines occur, because we do show in the presentation, what are the capital costs look like? What does the capital cash flow look like? What are the time frames in getting to market, which means going live and being able to raise capital? And so those uh, few months, especially getting the audit done, some of the people at the companies would say going through an audit is like uh, having battle scars at the end. Having a proper audit is what is necessary. And so we stay on top of that to make sure it gets accomplished with an incredible firm uh, that is on this panel today. And so our job as quarterbacks is to make sure timeframes are met. And so when timeframes start to slip out, which inevitably Murphy's Law comes into play, uh, and so we have to go and fix things, we do that on your behalf so that you don't have to worry about it every hour of the day. That's our job is to worry about it. But there are pieces that you're very critical need for. That's the audit process. That's the filing process, making sure that document is built out correctly uh, with the uh, legal authority that's building that and filing it with the SEC. Same with the broker-dealer. 
filing with FINRA, the 5110. Once the SEC says no comments, then the broker-dealer can go file the 5110. Then we're waiting for FINRA to ramp up and allow the company to move forward. Uh, those things can take some extra weeks um, just because if you get comments, it's going to take some extra time. So far, we've had no comments on any of our SEC filings, which has really helped us speed this process up. And that's due to the incredible team of RDR and uh, what they bring to the, the table to get that job done with um, Nick and Doug. And so we are very, very blessed to have that with us uh, as a team member group to get this accomplished timely. And that's what we've been doing. Uh, it's just when we have to wait for the re regulatory authorities to let this go. That is the slowest piece it feels like for all of us uh, to be able to go out and start raising because being prepared for the market with the right IA firm, having all your preparations done so you can start raising capital within 24 to 72 hours after you have been cleared is critically important. If you go out to market, now you've got 12 months and you're not ready with the IA, well, you're going to be spending very, very valuable time in being having that uh, capital come into your door because IA, investor acquisition, was not ready. So those are the things that we've noticed is just staying on top of everything that needs to be done to get that job done timely. And the slowest piece feels for all of us, the FINRA registration closing period. Hey, Oscar, can, I, hey, Oscar, can I add yeah. something to that? Yeah, Oscar? go for it. Go for it. I mean, this is a, I mean, yeah. this is the, the role of quarterbacking. Like so, these are the things happening, right? right? So um, as you can, as you can see in a, in a brief uh, response from Steven, he's the technical one. Uh, he's the technical quarterback of the group that the, the duo that we have here. Um, and um, there, and, and, and as I hear, listen to Steven talk and go through this, and as I've educated myself over the last year and a half about what's going on, there is a lot going on. There are a lot of moving parts and it's really important to us. And this is another observation I've had over the last 20 years watching startups out there. They're trying to do two things. They're trying to bring an innovative technology to market. And at the same time, they're scrapping, trying to raise capital. And it's this like, how do you do both? It's very difficult. So one of the roles of the quarterback is to address all the things that Steven just lined out there so that the company, so that the CEO can actually do what they do best, which is innovate and build technology and figure out how they're going to, in med tech, how they're going to help patients. And so um, a lot of technical aspects. I just want to make sure that we don't um, overwhelm folks with too many details. These are all things that we've worked so hard to go through and we have the pieces in place. And we're going to talk about those details a little bit later. But again, I'm going to come back to a point that I, I was brought up earlier is what are the ingredients for a successful raise. And we're going to talk a lot about that in a bit. So thank you. Yeah, no, that it's, it, it is a great point. It is, we're not going to deep dive. And I know people are anxious to go, okay, who are all the people? Well, today you're going to meet them. You're going to meet the lawyers today, the panel, you're going to meet the lawyer. You're going to meet the broker dealer, the auditor, the investor acquisition, the secondary market throughout the day today, you're going to meet all of them. All their names will be listed. You can go to coresummit.io. Their names are there, their email addresses, but it all starts here. So just know if you're in the medtech life sciences space, we know what it takes to be a successful uh, offering. And we need it to be here because unlike any other sector, there's so much, let's call it house cleaning, that needs to be done before it going to the lawyers. And, he, and you'll hear that from the lawyers in the next panel. You may be issuing the wrong security. You may be even legally structured the wrong way. Um, you know, thim simple things like that um, that need to be looked at. Or maybe um, I've seen this all too often. I mean, I was at your event, uh, Scott, uh, not that long ago in March in Dana Point, which, by the way, was fantastic. 
But sitting in front of a CEO who, you know, is looking to raise capital and without a blink of an eye, you know, I need to raise $50 million and what are you going to have to give up? No hesitation. I'm going to give up, you know, 90% of the company. To hear that at this early stage for CEOs to lose their company and what I know Stephen really brings that message across to these medtech companies when they've been diluted and diluted and, you know, not on purpose, of course, but there were things overlooked that did. Stephen brings out that they didn't get this and they didn't get that. He's there to what making sure that the founders, again, we're coming back to the jobs act, that the founders are brought back to equal so they can gain. Let's not forget what happened to the man who created the vaccine for COVID-19. He made the cover of Time magazine, and that's all he got. And we should never, we should never, ever let that happen again to innovators. If there are you listening in today, today, today to us, and you're an innovator, you're a CEO, an entrepreneur, a startup, whatever side stage you're in, you should never, ever be in a situation where you are went from 100% and you're down to maybe 5, 10, maybe 20%. The next round of financing, you're finito. In fact, it's well documented in certain journals that by the time you get to a Series C, you know, the, the founder is down to less than 1%. That should never happen. And we're, that's what the Jobs Act and that's what the quarterback rule part is, is to when, when Stephen talks about the cap table and we're, look, we're, we're all talking for Stephen. But Stephen, share, share some of your comments on that, because you and I, we talk about it a lot when we're talking with clients. And I know this is an area very passionate to you. Well, the cap table is one of our uh, items we need to review so that we can show the CFO, CEOs, the company, the board. What does it look like uh, right now? What kind of shares do you have issued and outstanding? Sometimes they've come to us with a few million shares issued and outstanding. Well, that's not enough to go to a market where you're going to sell six or seven million shares at 580 a share, let's say. So we will show you how to get that done by increasing the shares on the cap table. So we call it original cap table, which means this is what you look like right now if you issued shares, and founders in control. So we'll show you both ways. How does it happen? How do we get there? Um, and we go through these conversations all the time. We've probably done 90 presentations or more in helping people understand how to use this process correctly, especially on the capitalization table, especially on having less dilution, having higher valuation. Those valuations that you'll see that we promote and show all comes from matching up against PitchBook as well. And our valuations are always under what those valuations are in PitchBook in your sector based on pre-rev, rev, um, or an M&A. Uh, because we also show you what would an M&A look like in your sector. So we're giving you all kinds of great data to make a more informed decision as you raise those large buckets of capital. Many companies come to us and talk about their valuations, 50 million, 40 million, 30 million, and we are able to show they're much higher than that. Uh, a VC a long time ago said, how can you say it's worth three or four times more than what we're saying? I said, well, I'll, I'll do the studies and I'll get back to you. I did the studies and we were four times higher than what they valued it at. That's important for us to make sure the founders get back in control. I appreciate that. And look, today, the importance of having a quarterback and in particular medtech is because the complexity of science. And I'm going to come back to you on this, Scott, because I've heard you say it constantly. You've seen this in your 20 plus years of experience. You've seen some great science go never making it. And that 
should, all of us should be here affected by this. It could be a, a cancer. It could be lung. It could, it could be anything that could save our lives because that's what this is. This is impact investing. And I think uh, there's a gentleman that coined it that. But I'd be interested to hear from your perspective, you know, the, the quarterback role and how it would assist those that went by the wayside and for them to have a second breath and to see that there is another book, per se, rather than the only one that they think they need in order to move forward. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll start my answer by saying that, you know, two years ago, I was probably one of the biggest skeptics uh, that this could actually work. So if there's anybody out there that's skeptical, I think that's healthy. I can tell you that here I am fast forward two years later. I was someone that was skeptical, by the way, because I grew up in an industry where the financing path was always you raise a little capital from angel investors, maybe some family and friends. You start to prove concept. Then you go to VCs and you go A, B, C, and you go through the path. And there's one path. It's the venture capital path. And by the way, I don't beat up VCs. They play a really, really important role at the right time. And as Oscar, you pointed out earlier, uh, they can be included in these deals as well. And we're seeing data suggest that that's starting to happen. But to, now to your question, I, I have watched over the last 20 years, we hold an event where we we showcase some of the hottest innovators in our space and we want to put them in front of potential acquirers. We want to put them in front of uh, potential funding sources because ultimately in the med tech space, this is, this is the greatest impact investment. The things that these innovators are doing are saving lives, reducing suffering. They are really changing the world. All of us are touched in some way by health issues at all times. And uh, and I'll, I'll just point it out because you brought it up, a, a, a legend, legendary innovator in the med tech space, Chris Vellis, who is the co-founder of Oris Health. They were acquired by J&J in 2019 for just over $5 billion. Um, he started saying years ago that med tech is the original and the best impact investment. And we've, we've rallied around that idea because we believe it's true. The things that these innovators are doing make a direct and a big impact on the world. And so... It's really tough to watch uh, solutions to big problems not make it because they just run out of capital or they can never get the capital that they need. And so that's, again, what excites me about being here. Uh, but I'll come back to it. The venture capital, the institutional inv investors play a really, really important role in this whole process. It is absolutely inclusive. It's not exclusive. But now we have another tool for these innovators to look at. And by the way, it's working. I mentioned I'm a, you know, I, I was a big skeptic. We see it working. Okay, we have companies that are going through the process now. They're raising capital. And so it's, it's a super exciting time. And thanks for asking that question. Yeah, I, look, there's a, there's a lot of all the people listening in today. They have such, everybody. I, I know what it's like. Look, I'm a CEO of an early stage technology company. I know what that's like. You, you need the capital. You want to get to a hurry, hurry, hurry. And, you know, I've, I've, I've learned that to do it right, to get to the goal. And like all the other companies, it, it, there's, there's a planning, there's a, there's a role that needs to take place. And we didn't have this in, in Regulation A prior. And the regulation is evolving. And what we all need to be prepared for, uh, everyone here listening in, it, when the regulators do increase the limit, and by the way, they will, the, the, the role of the quarterback is going to get even further intensified because the market is going to get better educated. The market, both the, the non-accredited and the accredited, everyone is going to be aware. So you're going to need to be 100% ready. You're not going to be able to have, you know, go in there and then realize, oh, my God, I didn't realize 
that when I was issuing these securities, they were the wrong ones. And then, no, 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 you're not going to have that chance. You're going to lose months and months of work. I mean, what we have here is an ecosystem that is watching over you from the financial side to watch any red flags, to see your patents, to make sure that the legals, you know, everything's done. The broker dealer to make sure you're fully registered, everything compliant. So when you turn on the tab and go ping on, investor acquisition is bringing the traffic and you can start bringing the funds into escrow and then eventually closing, uh, you know, doing rolling closes in your offerings. So you're going to have a fun day today learning about that. But the key element is starting with the quarterback, understanding the role they bring in, what they're doing for you, and the assessment is free. I mean, I mean, you can't beat that. <laughs> it's a win-win for you, and, and you get to see for your own self, learn. You, know, you may not like the answer. You may not. You're not going to like, like, oh, my God, that's what it's going to cost. It's going to cost you that. No, we're not going to sugarcoat it for you. We're going to give you the actual figures. We're going to tell you what everybody else. But what I will tell you is that there is no lower cost in raising capital today than using Regulation A+. And uh, so thank you, Scott, Stephen. Stephen, any last words? Because you're part of the quarterback. I mean, you're living and breathing this minute and minute, 24-7 sometimes. <laughs> All the people that want to do a presentation, we are there for you to show you what that looks like. Um, we'll uh, have my picture up there and be live when we do our discovery calls with you and all the presentations that we do, we do. And we will be there as soon as you're ready to reach out to us so that we can show you uh, how we think you can get to another level of capital raise. Perfect. Thank you again. And at the next panel, you're going to hear about the preparations, Brandon, Todd, um, Hai, Walid, all your questions you're asking are coming through them. I don't want to take that from them because you need to hear from the experts. I'm, I'm just navigating you through this journey today. So thank you uh, for joining us this afternoon. Uh, looking forward to seeing that the next panel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.